Hello, agent. Another two, you say? Let's get this show on the road. Welcome back to Park and Bark, an original theatre podcast all about touring, regional theatre and life on the road as a working actor. After a little hiatus last week, today we finally wrap up the little white Christmas stint of the series before moving on to people and places further afield. Hope we're all doing all right. I'm starting on a bit of a sad note, I'm afraid. Um, Nearly two weeks ago now, I sadly lost my wonderful nana, Mary. She was my best friend and my greatest supporter right until the very end of her life. Her last trip to the theatre was back in November when she came to Sunderland Empire to see us in White Christmas. Uh, She wasn't feeling too fab that day, but she refused to stay at home whilst everyone had a trip out. I definitely inherited my FOMO and my love for travelling from her. Um, But anyhow, I'm glad that she made it that day because she was so excited to meet today's guest. I'm not even lying when I say she was actually really looking forward to hearing today's episode. Uh, She kept pestering me to get it edited and released and I kept telling her to hold her horses. So it's only right that I dedicate today's episode to her, my wonderful Nan. I love you so much and we're going to miss you so much, you absolute legend. Park and Mark! I don't really know how to introduce today's episode, to be fair. I've had the pleasure of working with some truly wonderful, inspirational actors and actresses over the last 10 years. People I've grown up watching on stage and on screen and on the telly. Um, It's always felt quite surreal then when I've ended up on the same side of the curtain as them, (laughs) standing on stage together and looking out over the same audience, both brought together by the same love for this mad thing we chose to do as a full-time job. Well... I got the shock of my bloody life when I received the cast list for White Christmas and I saw this lady's name on it. I remember so vividly (laughs) looking at the list at the time and you can ask anyone who was sharing a dressing room with me um, back at Curve in Leicester when I was doing Billy Elliot. I saw that list and I threw my phone across the room and I squealed and put my hands over my mouth in shock. I just demonstrated that. I thought it really quite like this. I was like, woo! Um... And then I quickly ran, picked my phone up again and phoned my mum immediately. I was like, oh my God, this is who I'm working with at Christmas. I couldn't believe my bloody look, if I'm honest. And then fast forward to a few months down the line, we're in Truro, we're opening there, we're teching opening and we're sharing a dressing room with this lady and putting the world to rights on a daily basis. She is always on hand with an incredible story to tell. I mean, like sharing a dressing room and hearing the stories that she had to tell were, it would blow my mind. I specifically enjoyed hearing many a story about the wonderful Rosemary Clooney, obviously, because I was playing her part um, at the time. And of course, stories about her mother, Judy Garland. Incredible. She is an excellent human. I can't express that enough. She's a wonderful friend and having a front row ticket to watch this lady eight shows a week was a bloody privilege of the highest degree. She is the absolute epitome of class. I also stand by my opinion that Grease 2 is absolutely mint and she's doubly mint in it. Like I bloody love that film and my family love that film. 
And in fact, my family that came to see us that day and wanted to meet her were fans of her in Greece too, as opposed to anything else, (laughs) which I love. This conversation is filled to the brim with golden nuggets. Like I've went back and listened to it so many times and took advice from it, which I'm finding a lot when I've been editing different conversations with different people. I'm really enjoying myself listening back to these conversations and getting inspired by these people. But this conversation in particular is just filled to the brim with the wisdom. Um, And I think I'm going to be sharing it with all my students that I teach um, when I'm fun employed um, because I feel like young people could really benefit from hearing it. We recorded this at the half in her dressing room before a show one night. We were getting our wigs on together and uh, putting our makeup on together. I am so privileged to introduce the incredible Lorna Luft. Park and Mark. It's not even the half yet. It's the half in one minute. I know. We're going to oh. hit the half together. Oh, that's great. So when we hit the half, we have to go, the half, that's the half. Oh, yeah. <laughs> should we wait till the half? We no. Should wait till... Or should we go? Yeah, we should hear it. Like a real theatre. Like a real theatre. Like, we're not lying. We're not lying. No. We're really here. We're, we're really here in a dressing room. We're really doing this thing. <laughs> we're really doing... Like this was complete. Ah! Oh. You have 30 minutes. 30 minutes, please. Thank you. I'm spending my half hour call with the legendary Lorna Luft. <laughs> wow, gonna... how are you? I'm all right. How are you? Oh, we're okay. I mean, listen, we're coming down to the end of the wire. We've been together now for, let's see, we did seven weeks of shows and three weeks of rehearsal. So that's a long time and it's been joyous and it's been fun and it's been a new experience for me to do um, this show over here in a new way because I started it here but this is a whole new production so it was unlearning what I learned <laughs> yeah. and then learning a new version in in sort of a, a, an interesting way and I loved it you loved it how does it differ from the other version that you did so who did the original version and then well, the original version was Rachel Stanley yeah. me Emma Kate Nelson Tim Flavin um, Craig McLaughlin, and um, who directed that one? It was directed by this woman that was, I guess, an assistant of Walter Bobby's, okay. and they had flown her over from New York, and she, her name was Barbara, and she directed that version, and then when we came back and did it again, then um. Michael Rose's husband, um, he directed it, and that, I mean, we went to some really sort of, we went to some great, great theaters. I mean, we were at the Playhouse in Edinburgh, and we played Southampton, and we, uh, we started it in Plymouth. Ah, I love Plymouth, Theatre Royal. Yeah, but that had, they had just done that incredible whole place where they had started building the shows right okay. and it was it was it was extraordinary you know because i mean you're really sort of at the end of this island when you're in plymouth well <laughs> no we were really at the end in true we one more step and you're in france <laughs> so i mean um yeah no I, and i think that um people really you know they love this movie yeah they love the movie and it's got such a history and it's got um it's so american it is 
super yeah. American uh, and schmaltzy and, and lovely and sentimental and um, it ticks all the boxes of soldiers and dancing and singing and show business and let's put on a show in a barn it's so a classic it, formula though isn't it it because is a classic formula we've talked about this before because there's lots of um, old movies and, and musicals set in barns yes <laughs> yeah yes yeah but that is because it was the end of the war mm -hmm. and at the end of the war unlike your country meaning this country we're in right now the united you, kingdom <laughs> yes you w were rebuilding people's lives because uh world war ii was just so devastating mm -hmm. whereas in america the end of the war it was a complete uh, financial boom. And all of a sudden, women weren't in factories. All of a sudden, they were home and they were having kids and they were, there was a car in every garage and a television in every living room and it was larger than life and people had jobs to go to because the war had created that. Yeah. So in the 1950s, the 50s were a great time for America. Mm -hmm. Unlike here, where they were putting their lives back together, we were, it was a boom. And that's when the movie musicals of the 50s were so joyous. Yeah. What are the movie musicals are from that time? That oh, my God. So when you think of all, uh, all a lot of the Marilyn Monroe stuff that, that came out in the 50s, yeah. Um, all... Uh, it was the real end of the golden era of the Hollywood movie musical, because those were really the 30s and the 40s. But then in the 50s, all of a sudden, there were the Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire, all of those movies were still being made, and they were still, you know, huge box office smashes. Yeah. They, it was the 60s where people sort of became jaded. Mm -hmm. and wanted didn't believe that people would burst out into song in the streets and <laughs> and all of that and and that's when they really took a, a a nosedive but the 50s the hollywood movie musical was still was still a very large part of entertainment and this is such a prime example of that isn't it and is that why because you've done so many different versions i have to ask you you've done yeah. you keep coming back to this show what is it specifically about this show that that you find so special hello craig craig from wigs <laughs> i'm in a different room today yeah. um yeah what is so special about like what brings you back to the show well do you want me to be honest or do you want me to make up a story do you know what do whatever you <laughs> whatever well, you fancy well honestly what brings me back is a paycheck <laughs> okay Let's be honest. Yeah, kids. let's be honest. Go. I mean, come on. We just went through 18 months of a nightmare. Yeah. So when you're offered work, it is pretty spectacular. Yeah. But also what brings me back to it is I know this show. Mm -hmm. It's something that is sort of in my my body because it's been 16, 16 years that I've been doing it on and off. Mm -hmm. And it was weird because in the middle of, of, of this, I did Holiday Inn, 
which yeah. was basically the same. I mean, I called my agent when he said, they've offered you Holiday Inn. And I said, well, what what do I do? And he said, honey, you're still in a barn and you're singing <laughs> Irving Berlin song, so who cares? You're still in a barn. Just say yes and sign on the dotted line. <laughs> Absolutely. We, you love a barn musical. Because you did Babes in Arms as well. We I, talked about that. That's another day. one. In yeah. a barn. Set in a barn. Set in a barn. <laughs> um, back in the barn. Um, yeah, I did. I did that at Chichester. Oh, amazing. And Over here. I loved it. Yeah. That is, that's got a show that's got um, so many different scripts, so many different um, renditions. And of course, again... You know, my mom did the movie, but she didn't do the version of Babes in Arms that has been out there for a while. And they just keep changing the story. <laughs> but I have to say, it's one of my favorite scores by Rogers and Hart. I have to agree, you know. I did it at college in my third year and played in, in the version that I did, Billy, which, yeah. who was... What was that character called in your version? Billy. Was it, was it Billy? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and singing like Funny Valentine and Ladies a Tramp. Yep. And oh, I mean, Johnny One Note is in yep. there. And it's just so, uh, Where and When. Yep. And just all these beautiful, beautiful songs. Well, um, I loved Rogers and Hart. And I loved Larry Hart. I loved Larry Hart's work um, so much because he was edgy and yeah. he was different. And he was a very, very, very troubled man. And he was incredibly um, filled with self-loathing. And he did not think that he could ever be loved. And for someone who, to think that they could never be loved, to write My Funny Valentine, oh, yeah. and to write those songs is, is really extraordinary. And I did a lot of homework about Larry Hart. Um, and I just, I just found it so extraordinary that he and Richard Rogers were, they were like brothers. I mean, they really adored one another. But, you know, Larry had so, he was so tortured and he was so, um, as I said, filled with self-loathing and doubts and all of that and problems. And he, I don't know if you know this, but, um, he used to have lost weekends. Well, they weren't weekends, they were weeks, where he would disappear and Richard Rogers wouldn't know where he was. Mm -hmm. And one day Richard Rogers called up his agent and said, Look, I, I can't find I can't find him and uh I don't this was pretty pretty much after they had written Babes in Arms. Right. And um the his their it, the agent said, listen, there's a guy in my office. His name is Oscar Hammerstein. Oh He's gosh. looking for a partner. Come in and meet him. And he went in, and they had the idea to do a musical of a wonderful work called Green Grow the Lilacs, right. which turned into Oklahoma. Oklahoma, wow. And on the opening night, of Oklahoma, Larry Hart was sitting in the audience and he watched it and he knew that his friend would be okay. Yeah. And six months later, he froze to death on a street corner. Oh my gosh, it's so sad. Yeah. 
Such a talent as well. The talent of Larry Fart was just extraordinary. Unbelievable. And you did that, so you did that in Chichester, yeah. which is amazing. So you've been back and forward over the Atlantic oh. nearly all your life. Well, people sort of say, you know, where are you from? And I say, uh, uh, someplace over the Atlantic. <laughs> someplace, yeah. I mean, I, I grew up here up until, well, I grew up in America up until I was eight. Yeah. And then my mom moved here. Yeah. And then we lived here and then we lived on and off here forever. And and then I was married here the first time. And then I finally got it right and married a Brit. <laughs> and uh, my kids and all of that, they, they you know, my children are, are now in their, uh, I'm not going to say, but... Uh, they're 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 not children. Yeah. They're they're grown up people with children, <laughs> yeah. um, and they know England uh, very 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 well, and I do too, and I I have so many friends and family. Collins, um, who's my husband, um, his family is is here, so it's um, I feel at home in in both places, and I just also feel incredibly lucky. Yeah. To have that, um, so I'm 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 incredibly grateful. Park and Buck, yeah. So you've obviously spent a lot of time over here and know this oh, country yes. very well, and and you've also toured around the U.S. with yes. lots and lots of things. But how so? How does it differ touring around the U.S. to touring here? Well, let's just talk about the size. Right. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the U.S. is massive, mm-hmm. you know, and um, you you basically have to fly every place yeah. because I mean you can't really do, tra- and and we unfortunately um, because I love trains, not that there are a lot running right now <laughs> in this country, um, and I'm not saying anything, but I'm saying something. Um, <laughs> Is, is the fact that we don't have that in, in the States. You either have to fly or um, you have to, uh, we don't have, our public transportation sucks, mm-hmm. to be really honest. So the one thing is that um, it is, it's, it's such a bigger country. Yeah. So when you tour America, they don't really do very few theater companies do I think the the smallest would be a week in a place okay they don't do I mean I think the days of split weeks are are are, are over only because people they can't get places yeah um, so that's different um and I think that audiences because of the pandemic they're ready to come back and just be entertained and they they want to come back and they want to feel some kind of whatever our normal is now because it's never going to go back to what it was. Yeah. And and I I think that in in the states we are still because of the country being so big we are still going through a a, a COVID warning system, mm-hmm. and it's 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 not going to change. It's not going to all of this is not going to go away. No. So we have to now learn to live with it 
and realize that this is our new normal. Ladies, your courses now cool. You have 15 minutes. 15 minutes, please. Thank you. Yeah, this is. See, we weren't lying. <laughs> we weren't lying. It's happening. I'm getting my wig on now. Yep. Um. Yeah. No, it is the new normal, isn't it? It's that old phrase. Yeah, it is. Adapting. And the thing is, though, so touring in the states is um, it it's it's a lot different. Mm -hmm. Um, but touring is it depends on how you deal with it. Right. You either learn how to get along and really do it well, and 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 love it, or you're gonna be miserable. Yeah. Because it tests every last nerve in your body. <laughs> it works every nerve in your body being on tour. Because you have to realize you you move all the time and that's sort of how I grew up. And so it doesn't touring doesn't um bother me. Um and I'm sort of used to it. Mm -hmm. It's the tricks that you learn. Uh, about touring which you know it's when you see the 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 20 odd year old kid come along with the six suitcases and you think <laughs> oh no honey that that's me. not gonna be that's not gonna be happening for that a while definitely me the and then and then it. when sh they they leave with two and say i just got rid of everything and you go yeah yeah i mean it's just what you learn from from just doing it yeah um and and how i i don't mind when you're in a show and you've got to sit down someplace you know you're just sitting down in in california you're sitting down in in places and then you you can really make that home yeah uh whereas this country is a lot smaller and yes their public transportation is you know when it works it, <laughs> it's really good yeah but again it's um it's hard because you're not that far yet you are far it's mm. not like you can go home every night no you can't i mean especially when you are in the other end of the country in Truro. i mean yeah it's, it took me seven hours to drive from Truro to my home in the northeast yeah <laughs> earlier this year yeah um what tricks have served you well over your years of touring? Learning how to pack. How to pack. Yeah. And not overpacking. Yeah. And learning how to, okay, where is the washer dryers? Where are this? Are we going to stay in apartments, hotels, wherever, where we have places that we can cook or we can have washer dryers or we can have it's it's learning all about life on the road yeah and it's truly learning through mistakes yeah i agree and that's just uh the 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 what do you want to call it the the uh, the tricks of touring um you know i know people who just have a couple of duffel bags and i think how do you do that and then i've got <laughs> I know someone who's very, very, very famous, but I'm not telling you who it is no, because I, I wouldn't never, that <laughs> she, when she makes movies, she doesn't bring anything. She buys everything there. And then when she's finished with the movie, she gives it to the crew. Oh. And so she goes home with the same thing she arrived with. 
<laughs> See, that's pack. genius. I mean, it is genius. I wish I had the money to do it. There you go. <laughs> but this is why we take jobs for the paycheck. Well, Get yeah. We need to be able to do that eventually. It's Eventually. Point. Oh, that's the dream, isn't it? Yeah. Never packing again in your life. No, I mean... I get it. I and I get why um it's 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 it, it's like in a on white christmas we have big trunks that they give to um all all of us and that goes on the prop t- truck so you are basically traveling with a lot of stuff but then you think to yourself okay if I'm not living in New York where we start rehearsals okay, I have to bring it all, and mm. then I have to be careful that my trunk doesn't get to a place where I, when I unpack it to go home again, Yeah. because then they put it in in big boxes and they ship it all home to you, that that you think to yourself, wow, um, how did I wind up with more crap? <laughs> yeah, you accumulate stuff. You just, uh, you do, you, you just do. accumulate and you think, I don't even like this. <laughs> I mean, I must have been, I mean, I have a whole thing about, I must have been bored. <laughs> I must have been really bored to have bought this outfit because the, I would have never, ever, ever bought this unless I was bored. <laughs> um, but it's, again, it's just learning the life on the road. And when you have especially dietary problems, mm-hmm. If you are gluten-free, if you are celiac, if you are allergic, and that becomes a whole production. Yeah. That's another show. Yeah. Um, but you learn how you learn how to deal with it. You do, and, and you learn that M and S is gluten-free, right? Honey, I love <laughs> love made without. Made without. The, made without has saved me. <laughs> the spaghetti bolognese. Oh my god, I had one for lunch today. Why <laughs> you come into the dressing room in True? We were sharing a dressing room in True because yes. the theatre's quite small. Um, and she came in and she said, "Honey, you tried this spaghetti bolognese? Ooh, fantastic!" And honestly, I can't. It's one of the best spaghetti bolognese. It's, it's, it's the best. The gluten-free one from It M&S. really is. It's it really is spectacular. Park and bark. How do you maintain being able to do eight shows a week? Because you've just had your seventieth birthday. Yep. And you are honestly, it's like the consistency and and everything like that. You you maintain it, and you're above and beyond. You're incredible, and I am constantly well, in awe of how you do it. Well. As a lot of people know, I've had a lot of health problems, and um, I am, I I have cancer. Um, I'm not going to say I'm in remission, because I'm not, Mm -hmm. and I was diagnosed nine years ago, and uh, I battle um, every single day, and that's one of the reasons that I feel when I open my eyes in the morning, I'm grateful. Yeah. And um, I have a team of doctors that take care of me in Los Angeles, and I have learned to become in a different mindset about things like chemotherapies and immune therapies, and that they are not your enemy, they're your lifesavers, mm-hmm. and they are your friend. So make friends with them. Yeah. And 
and realize that they're going to help save your life. And I just am, I think because of being careful, also because I think that I've now, I've now been sober 37 years, and I think that that is a, a learning trade of staying in focus and staying, staying healthy. I don't smoke. Um, and I just think that you have to learn to listen to your body. Mm -hmm. And I didn't for a very long time. Yeah. I, I was one of those people that, oh, I'll, I'll deal with it tomorrow. It's fine. It's okay. Everything's, it'll be fine. You know, and I didn't, I didn't do that because I was scared. And I put my head in the sand and it cost me. And I have now learned from my doctors to be proactive okay. in your health care. And if something isn't right, you're, you're going to be right. It's not right. Yeah. And listen. And don't say, oh, I'll deal with it and tomorrow or I won't. You know, don't become Scarlett O'Hara mm -hmm. um, because tomorrow may not be a better day. So I've, I've done that. And I feel that, um, you know, I, I, I work with... People Wait, this is that, this is your five minute call. You, you have know, five minutes. Five I, minutes, please. Thank you. I work with people that are a lot younger than I am. Yeah. And I think to myself, this is fantastic. But because of the knowledge, because I think age, you get knowledge. And I just sit there and I think, take care of yourself. Because you have to re realize that every day is a gift. So I think that that's really important. And then the other night I was sitting at home and I watched a concert that I was lucky enough to have attended of the amazing Tina Turner. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at her and she was at that point, she was 70. And she had on dancers that were in their 20s and 30s and honey, they had to catch up. <laughs> And that, I thought, that's an inspiration. Yeah. That is an inspiration. It's people that I have learned from and learned what they've gone through. Um, my friend Darlene Love and all of the people that have taught me. Because we all sort of came up in the same ranks of show business and what they've gone through and what are they doing now and how are they doing it and all of that and um i i think that that's i don't think i'd you know a lot of people have said oh i'd love to be 20 again no i don't i do not want to be 20 years old again i don't i i'm glad i mean i'm 35 twice <laughs> And I think that that's sort of cool. And when yeah. my daughter called me and said, hey, mom, you've gone back to the 70s, I went, hey, that's not a bad idea. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the 70s were very cool. And I think that that's what you, if you don't learn, and you must learn from your mistakes, then you won't repeat them, hopefully, <laughs> but that you will say to yourself, well, I got I got hit with a learning curve. What did I take out of this that's good? Yeah. And what did I learn? And just, you may do it again, but if you go to the fire and you start to put your hand in, you know you're gonna get burned. So just back up. Yeah. 
So I think that that's just age, and I, I, uh, that's the only thing. And now I have four grandchildren who they think I'm a riot. And, um, <laughs> you are a riot. Well, they, they, they just, you know, they think I'm a riot. And, and I just, I'm able to enjoy four little people who, you know, they basically, they know that when their mom and their dad say no, to call me, okay, because that's what I'm here for, uh, and that's my job, and I think it's 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 wonderful to see to see the change, but also the change has scared the daylights out of me because you know, I do not do social media. I do not do it. I don't know how to. Say, if you see me send an email, it'll terrify you. <laughs> Because I don't know it, I don't. I, I didn't grow up with it. I don't get it, and I don't understand people who sit around, um, you know, in coffee shops in L.A. doing things like I'm at Starbucks. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, I don't. I don't get it. I don't get the. I the, you you want to let people know where you are, I guess, because I I came from such a family of being guarded. Yeah. And. Being in the public eye and being around, you know, never, ever talk to a reporter, never do this, never do that, and yeah. all of that. And for, you know, someone asked me um, a while back, would your mother have liked all of this? She would have hated this. <laughs> she would have just hated all she of this. She wouldn't have been on Twitter. No, 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 no. I don't even know what Twitter is, but now it's been explained to me. But I mean, I just find it all to be intrusive. And yeah. I just, I mean, when I lived, when I got my first apartment in New York, I didn't know my neighbors. Yeah. I didn't, you know. And so that's, that's how it sort of, it, it is in, in, in my world of show business. And it's changing. And I think it's a great tool for communication. And it's a really right, company. great Stomach please, let down, fly, spots, wardrobe rigs, and stage management. It's the and members of the orchestra. This is your call to the pit. This is your act one, beginner's call, act one, beginners. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just really believe that, um, it's, it's, it's changing. It's and I think it's sort of interesting that they can come to me. I mean, the other day I was sitting with my granddaughter and we were watching a film and there was a phone box and she said, what's that? That's wild, isn't it? Yeah. They don't know what they are. It's a different world. Well, it is a different world. Very different And world. it's scary and it's sort of interesting, but yet again, we can't fight technology, but I think that it, it frightens me in a way. Um, but I mean, I respect it, and I'm. Uh, and to me, the one good thing about it is there's no excuse now not to know something yeah. in this business. Yeah. You know, if you if you're in this business and you want to know, I mean, who choreographed this or who sang this or who did what and this that and the other, it's there. Yeah, you can Google it. Look it up. Yeah. And and when when I see or hear young people saying things like, "Well, I don't know that." 
that I think to myself, that's a crime because you're you're not going to learn it all in colleges. You're not going to learn it all in in music schools and all that. It's up to you. It's there now, yeah. and you know I I had YouTube and things that I could you know do and libraries and you know go to Lincoln Center and look up the shows and yeah. and all of that. And it's so important to just do your homework because trust me. If you think you're an original, it's really tough to be one, mm-hmm. because somebody has done it before you. Yeah. And I think that that's what's really fascinating now, because there are very few original. There's a hell of a lot of copycats, yeah. and I think that that is interesting. When you're, but but be like my mother always said, be an original, because a copycat you're gonna not be respected, and they're gonna know real quick who you're copying. And I think that that's, it, it's harder. It's yeah. much harder. It is harder. Because but it's about being proactive, as you say, isn't it? It's about, I know you said that about your, your health and stuff, but it's about being proactive as a human and in your work and being one step ahead and educating yourself and going far beyond what you think is just the acceptable bar, I think. I think you're right. Succeed. I think you're right, but it's harder for your generation because everyone nobody wants to be an original mm, interesting they want to copy because oh. they think that that's how they're going to get hired and yeah. i always think don't do that just be an original and mm. you may and if you're out of your comfort zone that's not a bad thing mm-hmm. but i th- i i've always said it's always going to be the original is always going to be the head turner yeah. The always the person's gonna go. What are the oh who oh why wow you know let go see this because there's a person in it and this that and the other, and but it's easier to get out and copy someone because you know you're gonna have an audience because they set yeah. the they set the footprint. Don't fit in the footprint. Make your own. Yeah. But make your own footprints i'm with you all the way i'm with you all the way because i i feel like and it is something that you you figure out as you get older yep with more wisdom and and more experience i think you especially with long running shows want to fit into a bracket so that they hire you yes but i think there is so much power if 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 you want to take it that step further if you hang in there and really commit to who you are as a person who you yeah. are as an artist and show that you might not get hired for that specific job but there'll be something that comes along that you're but they'll for. remember you yeah they'll remember you but Agreed. the other thing i'm a big believer in now not a lot of people will agree with me but i'm also a, a big believer especially today do not audition for things you are not right for I am the the older I get, the more I'm like I I don't think I'm right for that. I don't think I'm the right person for the job. I I understand when I was younger, I did go along to every audition to to get experience, to get my face out there, to be seen by people. And I think that's really important if you're just starting out and you're trying to yes. pave the way. But then I think if you do then have a few shows under your belt, I think nowadays I do say, oh, I'm not politely. I'm gonna pull out of that because I don't think I'm the right person for the job. And Because that's what they're going to remember now. Mm-hmm. 
that you gave a bad audition and it wasn't a bad audition it was just that you're not right for this role yeah. but they will remember it yeah and that's one of the things that I'm a people say do you think that you should audition for everything no yeah. I don't because people will remember and I have heard real famous directors and real famous say oh my god yeah I'm not gonna know I she auditioned for you know, a show that I was doing a couple of years ago, and I remember it was really a bad audition. I thought, bingo, ding, 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 <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Yeah. And I think one of the most important things is that everybody, and I know this sounds awful, but, okay, I think everybody needs to be fired. From what, a job? Yeah. Yeah. I do. Because you're not going to know how you have to change, what you have to do to step up and to be different and all of that until a catastrophe and being fired from a show or not even a show or just getting fired from a job <laughs> yeah. is is devastating yeah but it makes you learn yeah it's failure isn't it you you bounce you back got from a, failure you gotta yeah. learn how to bounce back from and there's a lot of failure and there's a lot of rejection in oh, this yeah. industry and I think it's a key part of it it there I mean listen nobody twisted your arm my arm or anyone's arm to go into show business mm -hmm. I have no pity <laughs> none whatsoever for people who are on a television series and or have a movie career and they are tired <laughs> yeah okay and they complain yeah. really okay you go and talk to people who have worked in a coal mine yeah. And then talk to me about show business. Yeah. I don't have any kind. It's, it's nobody twisted our arm. We made a decision to do this. Yeah. And it's fun and it's great and it's wonderful and all of that. But again, we can't control because it's strictly all about being accepted for, and, and today it's even harder because it has a lot, a, not a lot has to do with talent. Mm -hmm. It has to do with mechanics yeah. of Twitter followers and this and that and that and, and all of that. And you can be the greatest singer, the greatest thing. If you, it, it that's what annoys me. Yeah, is that it's out of your control. Yeah, but what is it that we're living for? Applause! Applause! Plus. And we do it for that. Yeah. And and a paycheck. And the paycheck. <laughs> to round it off, I've got a few like quick fire sure. questions. Because I'm going to get the call in a minute. The show's going to start in a minute. I'm going to be like, ah! I'm sat in like my underwear and my, my under, my petticoat. Adorable. <laughs> and my wig. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give to somebody who hasn't toured before? Hasn't toured before? Yeah. Learn how to pack. Learn how to pack. She said it. Um, one item that you can't live without on tour. One item I can't live without is most likely um, pictures of my family. What is your favorite musical theater song or any song? It doesn't have to be musical theater associated with travel. Oh, there are so many. Um, I don't have one um, favorite song about traveling. I'd rather find a really favorite song about taking a nap, okay, <laughs> than traveling right now. Taking a I, nap. Because I'm not, I'm, yeah, just let's find a song about taking a nap. Because um, 
because I just find that um, with train strikes and airlines canceling and all of that, I think if I said a song about travel, I would really, you'd get hate mail. <laughs> and I don't want that. Yeah. I do not want that. You do have to travel to Edinburgh via Belfast. Oh my God. After New Year. On, on oh New my Year. God. Oh, which is madness. So I get that. Um, the last question, I'm just going to turn the tannoy down for one second. Um, what does theatre mean to you? What does theatre mean? Theatre means joy. It means true entertainment. And it means something that we must support, we must respect, and we must take our children to. And that's what theatre is, because theatre is live live yeah that is the best and you are the best and oh. oh my gosh no i honestly i'm not gushed to you in person a lot because i want to keep my cool and oh. keep my street cred but i can't believe that we've had the best time we have the three months and it's been an absolute joy it's and i never dreamt that i'd get to work with you oh and it's God. Well, honey, this is like, you know, the, we have a white Christmas family. And we are now, uh, now I have my UK white Christmas family. You do. And we all keep in touch with one another. And we all, this, that's the other thing that's great about this show. It bonds people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I heard from all my white Christmas friends and all of that, you know, at Christmas. We all, we don't wait for Christmas. You know, I, I see them when I'm in New York and places like that and all over the country. And there is a there is a, a bond, and that is one of the reasons that I am grateful to Irving Berlin because yeah. he has brought some so many people joy, but he's brought so many people together. And we have to always remember one thing that he wrote for this unbelievable piece is we have to count our blessings. We have to count our blessings. Yes, we do. We do. Oh my gosh. Well, I love you, and oh, I'm going to be you. harassing you for till no, the end of time. No, this is great. Yeah, I love you so much, and thank you. Listen, thank you. <laughs> All right. Park and Mark. <laughs>